0: Shalom, shalom. Welcome, welcome, world changers. Tonight is going to be a very, very special night. We are getting into some really awesome scripture here. We're going to be reading from Zephaniah. We're also going to be reading from Jeremiah chapters 1, 2, and 3. It is going to be amazing as always. So fasten your seatbelts and let's get into it. But you know what? Just before we get into it, I just want to greet some of you guys in the live chat here. So we got Blake and Blake says, my ears are ready to hear. Amen, Blake, welcome, good to see you. We got Kalamentos who says, shalom everyone, shalom Kalamentos. As always, I pray that every single person listening to this will be absolutely blessed by the word of God, that their faith will be encouraged. We're gonna read the entire book of Zephaniah, which is not very long, it's only three chapters, and we're also gonna read three chapters in Jeremiah. So, just a little bit of an overview, we're going to talk about the great day of the Lord from in Zephaniah, talk about repentance, talk about a faithful remnant of God's people, talk about how God will sing over you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine God rejoicing over you? Zephaniah talks about that in the last chapter of second Zephaniah. Jeremiah, we are, we're we're going to talk about how before God formed is is God told Jeremiah before God formed before I formed you I knew you. We're going to talk about having confidence in God. We're going to talk about God's problem with his people. You know, sometimes well, sometimes God has a problem with his people sometimes. We're going to get into that a little bit as well and also repentance prescribed in Jeremiah chapter 3. So, it's going to be awesome as as always. Well, by the way, here I just saw this uh, live chat. Just just caught the corner of my eye. Kingdom Concepts, Brother Pete says, uh, update got interviewed today. Uh, part two of interview is tomorrow morning. Hope it all goes well and will be hired. Yes, Amen. For those of you who are just joining, or if you're you you weren't with us last night, uh, Brother Pete from Kingdom Concepts asked us to pray for him that he would get this job. So yes, Amen. So uh, may the Lord give you favor in that give you favor wisdom and and knowledge to know um exactly what to say how to say it and uh, just give you all, all around favor thanks uh thanks Pete for sharing that let's get into this right away zephaniah for those of you who are on youtube i'm going to share my screen so you can you can see actually what i'm reading in this particular portion i'm going to read from the new king james this time zephaniah chapter 1 Verse 1, the word of the Lord which came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. By the way, I don't know how many of you would know, but Hezekiah, the name Hezekiah in the Hebrew, the correct pronunciation is Hizkiyahu in in Hebrew, it uh, sounds a whole lot different than Hezekiah, doesn't it? Verse two, this is the word of the Lord. God says, quote, I will utterly consume everything in the footnotes. I will make a complete end of everything from the face of the land, says the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea and the stumbling blocks of along with the wicked. Stumbling blocks here in the footnotes says the idols. Interesting that you say idols, and they would call it stumbling blocks, along with the wicked. I will cut off man from the face of the land, says the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I will cut off every trace of Baal, or Baal, from this place, the names of the idolatrous priests with the pagan priests, those who worship the hosts of heaven on the housetops, those who worship and swear oaths by the Lord, but, but who also swear by Milcom, Milcom, which is actually the name, or it's called Malcom in some translations. It is the name of an Ammonite god. Uh, verse 6 those who have turned back from following the lord and have not sought the lord nor inquired of him verse 7 be silent in the presence of the lord god for the day of the lord is at hand what does that mean that means the day of the lord now this day of the lord by the way is not sunday some people believe that the day of the lord means sunday this is talking about the day of judgment this is not talking about Sunday. It wasn't until later uh, in the earlier, uh, I should say, in 2nd century, 3rd century, in going forward um, AD, that, that uh, Sunday was known as the, the Lord's Day or the Day of the Lord. But this particular um, portion of Scripture, the Day of the Lord, means Judgment Day. So it says, be silent in the presence of the Lord God for the day of the Lord with judgment day is at hand. What does that mean at hand? It means it's near, it's close for the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has invited, he has invited his guests and it shall be in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the King's children and all such as are clothed with foreign apparel in the same night. In the same day, I will punish all those who leap over the threshold, who fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. And there shall be on that day, says the Lord, the sound of a mournful cry from the fish gate, a wailing from the second quarter, and a loud crashing from the hills. Wail, you inhabitants of Maktash! Maktesh, excuse me. Maktesh in the footnote says it's a market district in of Jerusalem. Uh, it literally says in the, in the Hebrew, mortar. Okay. So, whale, well, you inhabitants of Maktesh, the marketplace, For all the merchant people are cut down, all those who handle money are cut off. And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish the men who are settled in complacency, who say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. In other words, these people say, ah, the Lord's not going to do anything about it. The Lord's not going to do anything. He's not going to do good or evil. Verse 13, therefore their goods shall become booty and Their houses, a desolation, they shall build houses, but not inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards, but not drink their wine. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty man shall cry out, That day is a day of wrath. A day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. I will bring distress upon men and they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like refuse. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them. Um, just pause there for a second. That means their money. No, it doesn't matter how much money they have. It won't be able to help them out. If you're rich, or, it doesn't matter how rich you are. In other words, it's not going not going to be able to help you. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to help them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he will make speedy riddance of all those who dwell in the land. Zephaniah chapter two, and just as before, just before I read this, um, for those of you who are in the live chat there over there on YouTube, uh, any questions specifically for me? Just put at Christopher in the in the live chat, and I'll get to that. Zephaniah chapter 2, a call to repentance. Gather yourselves together. Yes, gather together. O undesirable nation, before the decree is issued or the day passes like chaff, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you, seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. It may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. This reminds me, just before I go on here, just uh, pause here for a second. This reminds me of what Jesus said, even to his own disciples. He said, pray that you'll be able to stand on that day. I mean, I remember reading that way back in 1992. And I remember thinking, wow. I mean, Jesus said this to his own disciples who basically lived with him for like three and a half years. They knew him very well, but even though, I mean, they knew him, they knew him way more than we know him. And I'm thinking, wow, if they have to pray and, you know, um, do it, as Jesus said, do everything you can to em- strive to enter the narrow gate. And I thought to myself, wow, Jesus said that to his disciples. How much more do we need to do this? I mean, Wow. It's just amazing. How much more do we need to pray that we'll be able to stand? Amazing, amazing, amazing. Humility and the fear of the Lord. A healthy, a healthy dose of the fear of the Lord is what we all need. Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 4. For Gaza shall be forsaken and Ashkelon desolate. They shall drive out Ashdod at noonday and Ekron shall be uprooted. Woe to the inhabitants of the seacoast, the nation of the Kirithites. The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines. I will destroy you. There, so, so shall there be no inhabitant. The sea coast shall be the pastures with shelters for shepherds and fo- folds for flocks. The coast shall be the remnant of, excuse me, the coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah. They shall feed their flocks there. In the houses of Ashkelon, They shall lie down at evening, for the Lord their God will intervene for them and return their captives. I've heard the reproach of Moab and the insults of the people of Ammon, with which they have reproached my people and made arrogant threats against their borders. Therefore, as I live, says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, surely Moab shall be like Sodom, and the people of Ammon like Gomorrah, overrun with weeds and salt pits and a perpetual desolation. The residue of my people shall plunder them, and the remnant of my people shall possess them. (sighs) I got to stop here just for a second, because you know what I think about when I read this? I think about how, you see, God takes it personally when people when someone reproaches his people, when someone doesn't treat his people well, or on the other side, when someone, on the other hand, when someone treats his people well, God takes it personally. It reminds me of Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the uh, the sheep and the goats, right? So you've got the, uh, you know, J- Yeshua, Jesus said, um, you know, basically on that day, all nations will be gathered to me, like the day of judgment. and um, and I will divide the sheep from the goats. And it's like, to the, to the sheep, it's like, when you, when I was thirsty, you gave me to drink, you know? Um, and they're like, when, when did, when we, when did we see you thirsty? When did we see you sick? When did we see you in jail, Lord? And he's like, when you did it to my people, you did it to me. When When you did it to the least of these, my people, my brothers, you did it to me. And when he turns to the goats, you know, he said the same thing, you know, uh, when I was thirsty, you didn't, you, you didn't give me anything to drink. When I was lonely, you weren't there. When I was sick in the hospital, you didn't come to visit me. When I was in prison, you weren't there for me. And they're like, when, when did we see you like that, Lord? And he's like, when you did it to the least of these, my people, my brothers, you did it to me. So I see the same thing here in Zephaniah chapter 2, verses 8, nine, eight and 9, where it's like in verse 8, uh, the insults of the people of Ammon, which, with which they have reproached my people, and have mer- made arrogant threats against their borders, against the border, against the land, against the uh, the nation of God's people. And God, God repays them. God, God, God's got their back. God's got their back. Verse nine. I mean, you know, therefore, as I live, says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, surely Moab shall be like Sodom. It's like, wow, man, you reproach my people. You know, you do this to my people. Okay. I'll make you like ash, okay? I'll make you nothing but a pile of ashes. It's just amazing. It's just amazing how God is so close to his people. And we're going to read this. We're going to get into this, especially in the next chapter here, where you see God's heart is so close to his people. Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 10. This they shall have for their pride, because they have reproached and made arrogant threats against the people of the lord of hosts see he takes it personally the lord will be awesome to them for he will reduce to nothing all the gods of the earth people shall worship him each one from his place indeed all the shores of the nations you ethiopians also you shall be slain by my sword (laughs) it's like Oh, don't think I didn't forget about you guys. Verse, uh, verse 13, And he will stretch out his hand against the north, destroy Assyria, and make Nineveh a desolation, as dry as the wilderness. The herd shall lie down in her midst. Every beast of the nation, both the pelican and the bittern, shall lodge on the capitals of her pillars. Their voice shall sing in the w- in the windows desolation shall be at the threshold for he will lay bare the cedar work this is the rejoicing city that dwelt securely that said in her heart i am it and there is none besides besides me how she has become a desolation a place for beasts to lie down everyone who passes by her shall hiss and shake his fist wow amazing uh so let me just Quickly, Zephaniah chapter two verse fifteen—the last verse we just read—talks about pride and how these people are arrogant. You know, this is the rejoicing city that dwelt securely, that said in her heart, "I am it, and there is none besides me." See, that's pride. How she has become a desolation, right? As it says in the scriptures, "Pride, pride comes before a fall." How ha- how she has become a desolation, a place for beasts to lie down everyone who passes by or shall hiss and shake his fists by the way i'll just read this is the last chapter of this book zephaniah after i read this chapter i will go into the live chat and see if you just check out the live chat here and if you have any questions uh, i will address them remember just to put at christopher in the live chat if you want to get my attention um there's so much going on here in the live chat right now I', I I'm sorry I'm not going to be able to get to all your your uh your comments so just put at Christopher in there and that way you know for sure I can get it Zephaniah chapter three the wickedness of Jerusalem verse one woe to her who is rebellious and polluted to the oppressing city now you know what just before I go on here some people might say um you know why? why should we be concerned about this? You know why? You know what it says, it says that the scriptures are written for our edification, for our education, for instruction in righteousness, right? I mean, we can learn a lot from this. We can learn a lot. Verse two, she has not obeyed his voice. She has not received correction. She has not trusted in the Lord. She has not drawn near to her God. Her princes are in the midst, in her midst are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave not a bone until morning. In other words, the rulers of this city is not very good people. They're they're not very, um, you know, they're not very, Good, considerate people, that's for sure. Uh, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 4. Her prophets are insolent, treacherous people. Her priests have polluted the sanctuary. They have done violence to the law. Interesting, it says violence to the law. Now, you know what? Just out of curiosity, let me just go into, this is Zephaniah 3, 4. We'll do a very, very quick check of... Of, sorry about that. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 4. We'll do a very, very quick check of what the other, some other Bible translations uh, render that as. Violence to the law. Look at this. NLT, it says, this is the New Living Translation, um, its priests defile the temple by disobeying God's instructions. NET, her priests defile what is holy, they break God's laws. Uh, Young's literal translation says, Her priests have polluted the sanctuary. They have violated the law. So, interesting. Isn't that interesting? Because you see, where it says they have done violence to the law, you know, people do violence to God's law. They do violence to God's word. How do they do that? By breaking it. They do do violence to his law by breaking his law, right? Transgressing the law is, is actually doing violence against it. Verse 5, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 5 The Lord is righteous in her midst. He will do no unrighteousness. Every morning he brings his justice to light. He never fails. But the unjust knows no shame. I have cut off nations, their forts are devastated. I have made their streets desolate with none passing by. Their, stri- their, excuse me, their cities are destroyed. There is no one, no inhabitant. I said, surely, I said, surely you will fear me. You will receive instruction, so that her dwelling should not be cut off, despite everything for which I asked her. But they rose early and corrupted all their deeds. Therefore, wait for me, says the Lord, until the day I rise up for plunder. My determination is to gather the nations to my assembly of kingdoms to pour on them my indignation. Wow. My my fierce anger. All the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. For then I will restore to the peoples a pure language that they may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my worshippers, the daughter of my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. In that day, you shall not be ashamed for any of your deeds in which you transgress against me. For then I will take away from your midst those who rejoice in your pride, and you shall no longer be haughty in, in my holy mountain. I will leave in your midst a meek and humble people you know this is this could be where you know one of the pa- passages that uh, Jesus got the you know when he said the the, the meek shall inherit the earth i will me- i will leave in your midst a meek and humble people and they shall trust in the name of the lord the remnant of israel shall do no unrighteousness and speak no lies wow can you imagine can you imagine doing no unrighteousness it is possible it is possible Right. I pray that each one of us will be like that, be the remnant of Israel who does no unrighteousness, speaks no lies. Nor shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth, for they shall feed their flocks and lie down, and no one shall make them afraid. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments he has cast out your enemy the king of israel the lord is in your midst (laughs) you shall see disaster no more wow isn't that amazing the king of israel the lord is in your midst i love it verse 16 in that day it shall be said to jerusalem do not fear zion let not your hearts be weak or excuse me let not your hands be weak The Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I want you to stop for just a moment now. Just a moment. Think about this. Think about this. I'm going to read the, the the past the last two verses. I'm going to read that again. In that in that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, "Do not fear, do not fear, Zion. Let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Can you imagine what 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 would that look like? What would that look like to see God Almighty rejoice over you with gladness? He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Wow. Can you imagine hearing God himself? Can you imagine hearing the Father, the Creator, the Mighty One? The Lord God, sing over you. Rejoice over you with singing. You know, that reminds me. that I just got to say, that reminds me of when Yeshua, when Jesus said, when one sinner repents, there is joy in heaven. When one sinner repents. You might say, well, there's like, you know, billions of people on the earth, billions of people. How can heaven rejoice over me? Or how can heaven rejoice over one person? It could be your neighbor. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. How can heaven, that's what Jesus said. Rejoice over you with singing. Can you imagine? You repent. And you cause a party in heaven. A party. Amazing, amazing thought. Yeah, he will rejoice over you with singing. Amazing. Now, while I'm waiting here, I want you guys, especially over there on YouTube, any one of you if god brings someone to your mind who needs to hear what we're talking about right now send a message to them send a message to them to 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 tune in to listen to what we're talking about here send a message get them to tune in you know a lot of people need to hear this not a, a lot of people need to hear this so yeah just send a message to a friend, family member, um, you know anyone that would benefit w- 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 from what we're talking about now. I mean, we are just finishing up Zephaniah chapter three, but we're going to get into um, Jeremiah chapter three, and it is going to be amazing. I, I mean, it is just going to be amazing. Jeremiah is is just one of these, one of the most amazing books. Um, One of the most amazing prophets. So just send them a message. Let them know right now hey, tune into this live stream. You know, check this out because, you know, um, I think you might like it. Something like that. Okay, so let's continue. Stephaniah chapter 3, verse 18. I will gather those who sorrow over, excuse me, I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly who are among you, to whom its, its reproach is a burden. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all who afflict you. I will save the lame and, and gather those who are driven out. I will appoint them for praise and fame in every land where they were put to shame. At that time, I will bring you back even at that time, I I gather you, for I will give you fame and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I return your captives before your eyes, says the Lord. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. Okay, so that concludes Zephaniah. Can you imagine that? That's that's a very short. It's just awesome, isn't it? Isn't that awesome? It's something you can you could actually think. You can meditate on that for like. A long time, you know, days, weeks, months, you can meditate on that for a long time. So just before I get into uh, Jeremiah, which I'm going to get into in just a moment, just have a look in in the um, live chat here see what's going on. Billy, uh, good thing. Uh, Yes, thanks for bringing this to our attention. Zephaniah actually means Yah stores up, Yah hides. Very good. Will Senior says, Shalom from work. Shalom, good to see you, brother. Good to see you. Welcome, welcome. All right. We got people listening. Um, is Brother Jordan with us tonight? Brother Jordan with us? No, he's not with us. Remember when Brother Jordan, he would listen to uh he listened to us at work and listened to us basically at school and pretty much any anywhere and everywhere. So yeah. Um, all right, let's get into Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Awesome. Awesome. Jeremiah chapter one. All right. Verse one, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Yosea, the son of Ammon, king of Judah in the 13th year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Yosea, king of Judah, until the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Yosea, king of Judah, until the carrying away of, of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Imagine that. Before I formed you in the womb. See, God formed people. God formed you in the womb. You know, the, as it says, as it says in the Psalms, you know, he knits you together in the womb. Can you imagine that? We are God's precious creation. We are God's valuable creation made in his image. Before I knew, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. Sanctified in the footnote, set you apart. This is what we have to, we got to always keep this in mind, right? We have to be set apart from the world. It's what it's all about. It reminds me of in 2nd Esdras, where Ezra asks the Lord, like, why why are there so few people that know you? Why are there so few people who are saved? Why is it that there's only a few people that really know the truth? A few, just a few. And the vast, vast majority are all just headed to, to destruction. And it's like, you know, the Lord said to Ezra, you know, there's there's more clay than there is lead, there's more lead than there is iron, there's more iron than there is silver, there's more silver than there is gold. And out of all of those, what is the most valuable? Of course, gold. Why is that? Because it is more, it is rarer. Okay? it It is hard to find. And that's why it's God's divine providence, I believe that that this is this is the way it it's this is the way it is. This is the way He made it, so that there are just few people who are who really, really know the truth. There are the va- especially over here in this side of the world, in the West, in in North America, we have so many people who say they believe in God, but do they really? Like Yeshua said, like Jesus said, you you should know them by their fruit. Do they really? Do they really? We have to be set apart. You know, Jesus said. The way to destruction is wide, very, very wide. You look it up in the original manuscripts. In the original Greek, it means very wide. It's a wide, wide road. The way to life is very narrow, and few there be that find it. Few. Only few. Just a, basically like a couple stragglers, and that's it. You think about... When the children of Israel, they were all called, but only a few chosen. The children of Israel were all called out of Egypt. Millions of them. But out of those millions, now this is not the world, right? This is, this is Israel. These are God's chosen people. Forget about the world. I mean, the world is, that's, that's even worse. But we got God's chosen people who saw the great, the great and mighty works of God and the miracles and the plagues upon Egypt and the dividing of the Red Sea and God, you know, descending upon Mount Sinai and all those miracles and all that stuff. They saw the glory of God. And out of all of those millions of people, only two made it to the promised land. Only two. Joshua and Caleb. That's it. We must be set apart. We must be set apart. Set apart. Before, as it says in Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, before you were born, I set you apart. I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Verse six. Then, then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. Reminds me of um, Moses, right? When God called Moses, Moses is like, I, I I can't even speak. God's like, hey, I, I called you to speak. You should, you know, you should trust, trust in me. I'm the one, I'm the one that, you know, created the mouth. I'm the one that created the tongue. Uh, you know, trust me that I'm, I'm, I created, you know, your lips, your, your mouth, your tongue. I created Language, I created knowledge. Trust that I'm 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 able to do it through you. Just like just like Jeremiah here. God called Jeremiah, and Jeremiah says, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. I'm I'm a youth. In other words, I don't know what to say. I'm just I'm just young. Verse 7. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you and whatever I command you you shall speak do not be afraid of their faces oh that's awesome that's awesome why because this is what this is what stops a lot of people this is what drags a lot of people in you know the fear of man is a snare according to the according to proverbs so a lot of people are trapped in that snare because they fear man more than they fear God. They fear, well, what, you know, I don't want so-and-so to, you know, think, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want them to think I'm like this. I don't want them to think like that. I don't, you know, I don't want them to get mad with me or I don't want them to get, you know, I don't want them to look at me the wrong way. You know, I, 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 I'm concerned about what they think about me. Do not be afraid of their faces. Do not be afraid of man. Do not let the fear of man overcome your fear of God. Do not be afraid of their faces. For I, I'm reading the last part of verse 8 here, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 8. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord's, this this is just like um, Isaiah, right? Isaiah chapter 6, same thing. You know, well, basically Isaiah is like well, I'm a man of unclean lips, and God sent an angel to take a coal of the f- fiery coal off the altar and burn his lips, basically, to burn away the the language, the uncleanness of his lips. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, this... I have this day set over you the nations and over, excuse me, see, I have set this, I have set this, excuse me, see, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Notice, notice how, let me just stop here for a second. Notice what is said in this book. Notice how this is different from other books of the of, of the Bible. Okay. Like, for example, I remember way back in the early 90s and mid-90s when I when I first got saved. I remember one of the things that really intrigued me was the book of Jude. With the book of Jude said that Enoch prophesied. Enoch prophesied, you know, that the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon his, uh, you know, upon the ungodly for all their ungodly deeds that they've done in the ungodly way, and they spoke on, they spoke, they spoke hard, harsh things against, uh, uh, you know, against God, so on and so forth. I'm thinking, how did Jude know what Enoch prophesied? It was always to me, it was a mystery. And you know, whenever you got these kind of mysteries, it, it, a lot of Christians, they do this, right? They they just kind of, they kind of, they heap it into the catch-all. They put it into the catch-all. The catch-all is Holy Spirit, right? Holy Spirit. It's like, well, Holy Spirit must have showed Jude that, right? You know, it's like, that's the catch-all. If you don't know, or if it's mysterious, you know, just say Holy Spirit, right? Holy Spirit did it. Um, it's the catch-all. But after I got... M- after I got more educated in, in uh, the, his, the history and um, like the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Book of Enoch that was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, knowing that the Book of Enoch, uh, that proves that the Book of Enoch was in circulation back in those days, right alongside with all the other books of Scripture. And so after I realized that and read the Book of Enoch, I'm, I'm, I'm like, hey, Jude got that from the Book of Enoch. Jude didn't get any direct revelation from God. He got it from the book of Enoch. It was The book of Enoch was a common thing that was read and known back in those days. Um, we, we know that because it's, it's referenced actually many times throughout the New Testament. Uh, and again, knowing that the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, it was in the Dead Sea Scrolls, therefore it, we know that it, it existed in those days. And Jude never said, Oh, the Lord showed me this, or the Lord, Lord spoke to me and told me this. No, he just, he just spoke as if it's common knowledge, which it was back in those days. And, the, and you notice how that's different compared to this. When Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? Right? So obviously. There is a vision. There's the word of the Lord coming directly to Jeremiah, and then there's the vision that Jeremiah is um, receiving here. Okay, I always remember visions are symbolic. Okay, they are um, they're symbolic. It's it's an analogy or a symbolism. It's never literal. Um, but notice, again, please, th- th- what I'm sharing right now, a lot of people will go right over, I-, I pray it doesn't go over your heads because it is so crucial to understanding the scriptures when you read it because you got to ask yourself a question. What does the author claim here? What does the author claim? Does the author claim direct revelation from God? Does the author claim direct vision from God or not? I just I just mentioned Jude, okay? that's That's one example out of probably thousands we can talk about right now. Especially in the New Testament, but also through the Old Testament as well, through the Tanakh. I hate to say Old Testament, but through the through the Tanakh. You gotta ask your question, you gotta ask yourself a question. Who's speaking? What's who's the audience? What did they say? What did they not say? It's very important. And you know, what do they claim? What do they claim? In this particular instance, we have Jeremiah claiming direct revelation from God very very important because there are times when the authors of certain books of scripture do not claim direct revelation from from God and sometimes it's because they didn't get direct revelation from God they got it's the word of God yes but it's not directly from God it's through another book of of scripture such as Jude got it from you know got his thing from the book of Enoch just one example so When we read this, we got to kind of be a little bit, we got to use some good, 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 God-given critical thinking skills here. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, right? So not every author of the Bible talks like this. Not every author in the scriptures talk with this kind of authority. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? Right? I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Of course, this is a vision. This is not to be taken literal. Um, verse 12 then the Lord said to me you have seen well for I am ready to perform my word and the word of the Lord came to me the second time saying what do you see and I said I see a boiling pot and it's facing away from the north then the Lord said to me out of the north calamity shall break forth on all the inhabitants of the land for behold I am calling all the families of the kingdoms of the north says the Lord they shall come and each one set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls all around and against all the cities of Judah I will utter my judgments against them concerning all their wickedness because they have forsaken me burned incense to other gods and worshiped the works of their own hands By the way you know people people have a lot of gods today they don't they don't they don't f- Consider They don't look at it as gods, but they do have gods. Whatever you turn to for peace, other than God, can be a God. Whatever you turn to for comfort, other than God, can be a God. Whatever you turn to for strength, other than God, can be a God. We should love God and serve Him only. And a lot of people, as Jesus said, if you sin... You are a slave to sin. We don't want to be a slave, right? We don't want to be a slave. And I'm sure a lot of us, including myself, we know what it's like to be a slave to sin. And you need, you know, we don't want to be a slave. We want to walk in freedom. We want to walk in freedom. So other there are a lot of people that have gods. They don't call it gods. It can be material things. It can be money. It can be reputation it can be a celebrity it can be any manner of drugs anyway anything from co- uh, caffeine all the way up to the harder drugs it can be a god okay there's a lot of different things that people have in their lives that are basically gods it has power over them or something that they that they look to it can be things. It can be. It can be gadgets. Uh, who knows? I mean, it can be a lot of things. Verse seventeen. Therefore, prepare yourself and arise, and speak to them all that I command you. Do not be dismayed before their faces, lest I dismay you before them. For behold, I have made you this day a fortified city and an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against its princes, against its priests, and against the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am the Lord, or I, excuse me, for I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. Jeremiah chapter 2. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me. I love it when it says this. I love it when it says this. The word of the Lord came to me. This is when you know, okay, this is the claim of the word of the Lord. This is not just a biography written about somebody. It's not just a letter written, you know. This is, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me. A lot of people, a lot of people look at certain passages as the word of the Lord, but it's not claiming to be. Here it is, claiming to be the word of the Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, quote, love it. I love this. Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem saying, thus says the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal, when you went after me in the wilderness in a land not sown. Israel was holiness to the Lord. The first fruits of his increase all that devour him will offend. Disaster will come on upon them says the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. O house of Jacob and all the families of the house of Israel thus saith the Lord. What injustice have your fathers found in me that that they have gone far from me? I feel like I should read this one more time. What injustice have your fathers found in me that they have gone far from me? Have have followed idols and have become idolaters? Neither did they say, where is the Lord? Who brought up out of the land of Egypt? Who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits? through a land of drought and the shadow of death, through a land that no one crossed and where no one dwelt. I brought you into a bountiful country to eat its fruit and its goodness. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my, my heritage an abomination. He did not say, where is the Lord? See, even the, even, even the pastors, even the pastors can be... Caught up in gross sin. Uh, I'm just going to pause here for a second because you know I remember going years ago. I remember going to a pastor's conference. This is one of the things I'll never forget. I went to a pastor's conference, and they called pastors forward who were caught up in secret sin, in gross secret sin and i was amazed at how many hundreds of pastors went forward sad actually it's very sad but and this is this is what we got here in jeremiah chapter 2 verse 8 the priests and the pastors did not say where is the lord a lot of pastors are not honestly seeking god they're not honestly they're not really they don't really have that that passion in them, they don't. To them, the church, you know, to them it's just a job to go up and pretend to be godly and to pray and to read the Bible and, and, and you know, preach a sermon that most people forget by the time they get to the back door. This is why I say, and I, I, I've i said this for years and I will say it again again. The West, this part of the world especially, the East as well, but not so much as the West, is wholly corrupt. Why? Because the church is wholly corrupt. The salt has lost her saltiness. And according to the words of the Lord himself, he said it's good for nothing. Throw it out and trample it underfoot. That's the words of Jesus. That's the words of Jesus. It sounds it may, it may sound harsh, but that's his words. Speaking about the people, his church, losing its salt. I remember about, a, about 10 years ago, I sat in a restaurant with a pastor. And he said to me, he said, you know, back in the olden days, he said, you wouldn't dare go to a you know, you said when, the, when it would be like a prophet that came to town or like a special guest that would come to town into a church, you wouldn't dare go to that church because unless you repented of your sin first, because you knew if you went in there, you knew for sure that your sin would be called out publicly, even if it's secret sin, because these people are in, in, in tune with God so much, they will pu- they will call you out. This is the way a church should be. This is 1 Corinthians 14:24. But if all prophesy and there come in one that believes not, an unbeliever or one unlearned, uh, he is convict he is convinc- uh, convinced or convicted of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest and so falling down on his face he will worship God and report that God is with is in you of a truth. Isn't that powerful? But you see, there's been so much corruption that has set in. So much corruption that has set in. Even the pastors themselves are bound up in darkness. And I'm not saying all of them, but almost all of them. I mean, seriously, from what I've seen recently, we are living in the days of Micaiah. One out of 400, right? One out of 400. 400 400 of the spiritual leaders that say one thing and one that actually speaks the truth. 0.25%. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 8. Moving on with Jeremiah, excuse me. The priests, the pastors, did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handle the law, those who handle the Torah, did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me, the prophets prophesied by Baal, or by Baal, and walked after things that do not profit. Therefore, I will yet bring charges against you, says the Lord, and against your children's children, I will bring charges. For pass beyond the coasts of Cyprus and see, send to Kedar, and consider diligently. And see if there uh, there has been such a thing. Has a nation changed its gods, which are not gods? But my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. Be astonished, O heavens, at this, and horribly afraid, and be, be very desolate, says the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. In other words, they trust in other things other than God. for their, They run to other things other than running to God, basically. They get their source. Their source is not God. My people have committed two evils. They have first, Number one, they have forsaken me, the fountain, the fountain of living waters. And two, they have hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Verse 14, is Israel a servant? Is he a, home, a home-born slave? Why is he plundered? The young lions roared at him and growled. They made his land waste. His cities are burned without inhabitant. Also, the people of Nof, Nof or in the footnotes, uh, Memphis in, A- in ancient Egypt. It's Memphis in ancient Egypt. Uh, also, the people of Memphis, or Noph, and Tapanis have broken the crown of your head. Have you not brought this on yourself, in that you have forsaken the Lord your God, when he led you in the way? And now, why take the road to Egypt? In other words, why, why go back to bondage? To drink the waters of Sihor? Or why take the road to Assyria? To drink the waters of the river. Your own wickedness will correct you, and your backslidings will rebuke you. Know, therefore, and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God. And the fear of me is not in you. Oh, this is so good. Wow. You know, we all need to pray this. We all need to pray. I don't, I don't know how many of you listening to me right now have ever prayed this. To pray that God will give you the fear of the Lord. That God would give you the fear of the Lord. That he would fill you with the fear of the Lord. And it's my prayer that every one of you within the sound of my voice would be taught the fear of the Lord. By reading the scriptures, by the Spirit of God. I'll read this again. This is uh, the last half of verse 19. Know therefore and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God, and the fear of me is not in you, saith the Lord God of hosts. For of old I have broken your yoke, and burst your bonds, and you said, I will not transgress when on every high hill and under every green tree you lay, lay down playing the harlot. Yet, no, don't, let me just stop here for a second. Um, this is, of course, this is not talking about literally, this is talking about figuratively, right? P- playing the harlot with sin. yet, it says in verse 21, I had planted you a noble vine, a seed of highest quality. How then have you turned before me into a degenerate plant of an alien vine? For though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, yet your iniquity is marked before me, says the Lord God. How can you say I am not polluted? I have not gone after the bales or the Baals. See, your way is in the valley. Know what you have done. you are a swift dromedary breaking loose in her ways, a wild donkey used, used uh, used to the wilderness that sniffs at the wind in her desire, in her time of mating, who can turn her away? All those who seek her will not weary themselves in her month, they will find her. Behold or excuse me, withhold your foot from being unshod and your throat from thirst. But you said there is no hope. No, for I have loved aliens and after them I will go. As the thief is ashamed when he is found out, so is the house of Israel ashamed. They and their kings and their princes and their priests and their prophets saying to a tree, you are my father and to a stone, you, have, you gave birth to me. For they have turned their back to me and not their face. But in the time of their trouble, they will will say, arise and save us. Isn't that what happens? I mean, a lot of times, you know, people turn their back on God. And then when when they're in trouble, they turn around and say, "Oh, oh, God, save us. Verse 28. But where are your gods that you have made for yourselves? Let them arise. If they can save you in the time of your trouble, for according to the number of your cities are your gods, O Judah. Why will you plead with me? You all have transgressed against me, says the Lord. In vain I have chastened your children. They receive no correction. Your sword has devoured your prophets like a destroying lion. O generation, see the word of the Lord. Have I... Have I been a wilderness to Israel or a land of darkness? Why do my people say we are lords? We will come no more to you. Can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Why do you beautify your way to seek love? Therefore, you have also taught the wicked woman your ways. Also on skirts is found the blood of the lives of the, of the poor innocents. I have not found it by secret search, but plainly on all these things. Yet you say, because I am innocent, surely his anger shall turn from me. Behold, I will plead my case against you because you say I have not sinned. Why do you, why do you gad about so much to change your way? Also, you shall be ashamed of Egypt, as you were ashamed of Assyria. Indeed, you will go forth from him with your hands on your head, for the Lord has rejected your trusted allies, and you will not prosper by them. Jeremiah chapter 3. So this is the last chapter we're reading. Then I'm going to get into your, your questions and your comments here in the live chat. Don't forget, if you got anything specific for me, just put at Christopher in the live chat. Jeremiah chapter three verse one. They say, "If a man divorces his wife and she goes from him and becomes another man's, may he return to her, uh, to her again? Would not that land be greatly polluted? But you have played the harlot with many lovers. Yet return to me," says the Lord. Lift up your eyes to the desolate heights and see. You know, what? let me let me just stop here for a second. Let me just stop here for a second, because I, this is something that I, I mean, the scriptures we are reading tonight are scriptures that have been scheduled from, from a long time ago. Okay. Uh, These are powerful, powerful scriptures. And I just. I think it's very, very important for everyone to realize that I believe we are on God's timetable today to read these scriptures at this time. You you guys know, I just don't read any scripture any day. I go by a schedule, uh, a chronological Bible reading order. And so this is, for all of you guys listening, this is what God has ordained to be read tonight. It's amazing. It's just absolutely amazing. Verse 2, lift up your eyes and uh, to the desolate heights and see. Where have you not lain lain with men? Now in the footnotes, it says being violated. Now, again, keep in mind, uh, th- the words with men are not in the original language. It's in italics. So it's it is not to be taken. This is not to be taken literally. This is talking about again serving other gods, worshiping other gods, you know. It, it, Basically, um, serving sin in different ways. It's what it's talking about. Lift up your eyes to the desolate heights and see where have you not uh, been violated by sin? Basically, by the road you have sat for them like like an like an Arabian in the wilderness, and you have polluted the land with your harlotries and your wickedness. Therefore, the showers have been withheld and there has been no latter rain you have had a harlot's forehead you re, uh, you refuse to be ashamed you will not you will not excuse me will you not from this time cry to me my father you are the guide from my youth will he remain angry forever will he keep and keep it to the end Behold, you have spoken and done evil things as you were able. The Lord said also to me in the days of Yosea the king, Have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up on every high mountain and under every green tree, and there played the harlot. And I said, after she had done all these things, return to me. But she did not return, and her treacherous sister Judah saw it. Then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and have, had and given her a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. So it came to pass, through her casual harlotry, that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and trees. And yet, for all this, her treacherous sister Judah had not returned to me with her whole heart, but in pretense, says the Lord. Then the Lord said to me, Backsliding Israel has shown herself more righteous than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return! Backsliding Israel, says the Lord. I will not cause my anger to fall on you. See, look at this. Let me just stop here for a second. This is so, this is just absolutely amazing. Because what we have here is a call for repentance where it says, return backsliding Israel. What's that mean? That means turning away from sin, turning away from the things you know you shouldn't be doing or the places you know you shouldn't be going the people you shouldn't be with, turning away from sin and turning to God. That's, that's real repentance. Return back, signing Israel, says the Lord. And because of this returning, because of the repentance, God says, I will not cause my anger to fall on you, for I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever, only acknowledge your iniquity that you have transgressed against the Lord your God and have scattered your charms to alien deities under every green tree, and you have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. Return, O backsliding Israel. Here we are again, another call to repentance, says the Lord. For I am married to you. I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. In other words, bring you to salvation. Bring you to the, as it says in Hebrews chapter 12, to that great assembly of saints and angels. Verse 15, And I will give you shepherds according to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Amen. Praise God for that. Then it shall come to pass when you are multiplied and increased in the land in those days, says the Lord, that they will say no more the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. For it shall not come to mind, nor shall they remember it, nor shall they visit it, nor shall it be made any more. At that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord, and all nations shall be gathered to it, to the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem. No more shall they follow the dictates of their evil hearts. In those days the house of Judah shall walk with the house of Israel, and they shall come together out of the land of the north to the land that I have given as an inheritance to your fathers. But I said, how can I, how can I put you among the children and give you a pleasant land, a beautiful heritage of the hosts of nations? And I said, "You shall call me my father, and shall not turn away from me. Surely, as a wife treacherously departs from her husband, so have you treacherous, treacherously with me, O house of Israel," says the Lord. A voice was heard on the desolate heights, weeping and supplications of the of the children of Israel, for they have perverted their way; they have forgotten the Lord their God. Return, you backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Indeed, we come to you, for you are the Lord our God. Truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills and from the mount, from the multitude of mountains. Truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. For shame has devoured the labor of our fathers from our youth their flocks and their herds, their sons and their daughters will lie down in our shame. And our reproach covers us for we have sinned against the Lord, our God, we and our fathers from our youth, even to this day and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, our God. Wow. Amen. Amen. That concludes it, It's a, it's an earlier, usually we uh, conclude reading our, uh, scripture, uh, Actually, later than this. Sometimes it goes into 9, 9.30. This is an earlier night. So let me just uh, give me a second here. I'll I'll check what we have in the live chat. Isn't that awesome? That was an awesome, awesome reading. Billy. Billy says, Watched the Jordan, Jordan Peterson video today. He was saying, when do you believe in God? It is when you say that you believe or when you practice that. Or is it when you say you believe or when you practice that belief? Yeah. Yeah, you can't say you believe without practicing. It's like this. It's like, and, and I've, I've shared this analogy before. It's like a man standing on the corner of, a, of an intersection uh, at a crosswalk and and saying hey i believe in helping you know you know elderly ladies across the street i believe in helping elderly ladies across the street and there goes one after another and after another but he doesn't help them he can stand there all he wants and says and say i believe in helping little old ladies across the street but unless he does it, it doesn't mean anything right so that's exactly the, the way it is with um with the with you know, in walking with God, you can say you walk with God, but unless you have the practice, if unless you really practice it, it really doesn't mean anything. You're really not walking with God. You can say, I believe in God, but unless you practice that, it doesn't really mean anything. You're like that guy standing on the corner saying, you know, hey, I believe in helping the elderly ladies across the street, but you don't help any of them. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, you say it, but you you, you don't really believe, you know. So. That's the thing. And people that say they believe in Jesus too. This is a thing. Like people say, all you got to do is just believe in Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Does that just mean like, a, you know, just head knowledge? Oh yeah. You know, I, I believe in Jesus. I believe he was, you know, I believe he, you know, he, he walked this earth. He did good things. You know, I believe he died on the cross. I believe he rose again. You know, uh, I read the Bible, but you know what? Even the devil believes that Jesus came. Even the devil believes that Jesus did good. Even the devil knows that Jesus died on the cross. Even the devil knows that Jesus rose from the dead. Even the devil reads the Bible. Knows the scriptures. Even the devil goes to church too, by the way. Devil goes to church. He does. And so, a lot of people think that if they do those things that they're a Christian. It doesn't mean you're a Christian. Even if you do those things. So, yeah, we have to we have to be, as we mentioned before, set apart. We have to be set apart. Thank you for sharing that, Billy. Good one, very good one. Perfectly confident, brother. He said, um, "If God is not the author of confusion, why are Paul's writings hard to understand?" Very good point. Very good point. Uh, I've always said that you know that a lot of people use Paul's letters to be you know as a as an excuse as a license to sin. I think that you know, it's, it's just a horrible thing. Um, they need to, people, I believe they need to really, really study everything. Uh, you know, they need to study the Tanakh. They need to study, you know, everything from Genesis to Malachi, and then some, they need to really get that under their belt before they, before they read. See, people go backwards, right? They read, they read some of the the confusing things first, and then they get into the, uh, Then it really confuses them. Then (laughs) then it really confuses them. Then by the time they get to the good stuff, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what what they're talking about. Blake says, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Christopher Zephaniah was a concise view and very enjoyable. Thank you very much, Blake. Kingdom Concepts over there. Brother Pete says, John 3.16 is poorly translated. Intellectual belief is empty and worthless. Uh, It's fidelity or faithfulness or trustworthiness that is required for deliverance. Oh, man. It's really good. I love it. That's good. Absolutely. Because people think that faith, this is what people, this is why I think it's so important for people to, it's like what, uh, you know, Rabbi Singer says, right? You need to, so many Christians, they, they don't. They don't study the Tanakh. They don't study the Hebrew, right? And so you need people need to realize that when they're in, you know, as a New Testament church, as a quote-unquote biblical church, these people, every church I've ever been to, they always say, you know, well, we're the biblical church. We're, we're from the Book of Acts. We're like the Book of Acts church. But they don't understand that the Book of Acts church did not have the New Testament. They never think about that. They never really sit down and and let it sink in. Let that reality sink in. And so, the book of Acts church didn't have any of these letters. They didn't have Paul's letters or anything like that that talked about faith and belief and all this kind of stuff. They just went by the Tanakh, you know, the, the so-called Old Testament. Um, but faith is in the in the Tanakh. Faith is in the Tanakh. It's uh, like the just shall live by faith, right? However, that word faith in the Hebrew means faithfulness. It doesn't mean something like just just belief. And that's what, yeah, I, I agree with you, uh, Pete. Like it is poorly translated because people think that all they have to do is just believe. No, not at all. I mean, belief is just, just a, I mean, that's just barely touching the surface of the tip of the iceberg. So it's about, it's about faithfulness. It's about fidelity. It's, it's about trustworthiness. That's why, you know, that's why Yeshua said, he who endures to the end shall be saved. It's about endurance. It's about faithfulness. So many of these, many actually, if not almost every place you see in the New Testament where it talks about you know he who believes shall be saved or you know or talks about faith, you know, in the Greek it is actually a word that is used to translate the Hebrew word uh, amuna, right? Amuna, Hebrew word amuna, meaning faithfulness. But a lot of times it's it's often translated faith instead of faithfulness which which brings brings a lot of misunderstanding for sure poorly translated for sure caballero says thank you for tonight's amazing and powerful bible reading definitely worthy worth to rewatch it again yes thank you very much caballero thank you okay um I don't see any other. I at this point in time, I don't see any other. I apologize if you guys put any uh, comments in the live chat that I have not seen. If you if you intended for me to to see it or answer a question, um, please put at Christopher in the live chat, or else I'm not going to see it. As far as I see, as far as I see, um, I got all of them i got all of them yes kingdom Concepts says uh well done good and faithful servant absolutely all right so um seeing that we are i know you guys you guys like have well over a hundred different things probably a couple hundred uh, uh chats here in the live chat um so, I got to everyone as far as I see if that was that was directed towards me. So, having said that, I'm going to wrap it up. It's an earlier night tonight, I know usually we go for another you usually go for another hour, sometimes hour and a half, but uh, it's an earlier night tonight. For those of you who are new, we do this every single night by the grace of God, okay? Lord willing, we will be back tomorrow evening, same time, same place, Lord willing, uh, to pick up where we left off, to read more in our chronological Bible reading um, uh, plan. And uh, it's going to be amazing as we go through it. So we do this every single day. Again, if you're new here, make sure you're subscribed or following. Uh, Make sure you got those notifications turned on. And uh, and just know that we do this every single day, seven days a week, from Sunday to Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern. On Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern. And so often we have special guests on. Often we have special guests. So um, you know, Lord willing, we'll have some more special guests as uh, you know, as in the near future. So um, if you uh, you guys can pray pray about that as well, if you want. Um, but uh, yes. You guys are awesome. So the great deception says, thank you, brother. Yeah, Alan says, thank you, brother. Much love and blessings to you all. Thank you very much, Alan. Much love and blessings multiplied back to you. Blake says, Blake says, who is the penis? Great playing. Penis, the penis is Hannah. Yes, by the way, we have Hannah playing every single day. Well, with the the odd exception, but pretty much every day, um, live. It's a live, live music, guys. It's live, okay? So uh, it's not pre-recorded, but live. Yes. Thank you very much, Blake. The Real Truth says, shalom, everyone, and have a great evening. You too, as well. Thank you very much. To Yabi the Glory says, Shalom to y'all and be well. You too as well. Thank you very much. One John says, uh, Thank you and Shalom. Thank you very much. Tori says, Thank you and Shalom, everyone. Thank you very much, Tori. Good to have you guys. You guys are awesome as always. You guys are world changers, okay? You guys are world changers. You guys can do it. You guys can do it. You guys are awesome. I appreciate every one of you guys. Uh, for those of you who are listening live now, and for those of you who listen afterwards, I know sometimes we have anywhere from ten to a hundred times more view views, uh, uh, you know, after the fact, and sometimes even more than that. But thank you very much, guys. You, I appreciate every one of you. You guys are awesome. Bibi says uh, thank you for your teaching today. It's always awesome. Thank you. It's always awesome to have you, and uh, and uh, and Will Senior as well. So. All right, as always, I'll see you again tomorrow night. Blessings multiplied to each one of you. As always, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. See you tomorrow night. Thanks.